Hey everybody, sorry that uh, late getting started here. Uh, a slew of updates and I was feverishly putting together the slides to give you uh, all the latest information. And uh, we have our distinguished panel here uh, with Dr. Robin, David Glinky, And uh, we're gonna go through some updates today uh, just to share with you what's going on in Ventura County, uh, what's going on not so much in the state level, but certainly uh, the news that came out at the federal level today. But real quick, just some brief updates. Um, and we're going to go through this like we've done every evening. Uh, we're going to show you some t statistics, and we're going to cover the medical side, and then we're going to cover the financial side, and then we're going to have uh, a little bit of a call to prayer uh, at the end. So let me give you the first update we have here. Uh, we've got, uh, let me see here. Yeah, let's pull that slide up. So um, current status as of 2019, which is of today, I know it says March 24th. I didn't change that. It is March 25th. Uh, so we have 39 cases in Ventura County. That's up from 35. Um, I know that uh, Moore Park had two that were added. Uh, Thousand Oaks has remained the same. Here it is uh, by city. And you can see that Thousand Oaks still has five. Simi uh, has remained at 11. Uh, the increase was, I believe, in Oxnard and also Moore Park. Uh, those are the two areas that had um, increase. And then also uh, breaking it down by age level, <clears throat> uh, 65 and older increased. Uh, 45 to 64 remain the same. But then uh, we did add one in the 18 to 24 range. Um, and then putting everything into perspective as we see these numbers, uh, remember we're living in a county with 854,223 people, population of Thousand Oaks is 128,995, so we have 39 cases out of 854,223 uh, in the county, and we have five cases out of 128,995 in the city. And then deaths in Ventura County, one out of 854,223. We don't have any updates, or at least I haven't gotten any as to the victim. We don't know male or female. We only know that uh, over the age of 70, comorbidity. did I do it? Yeah, I got it. Yeah. All right. That was... So um, now we're going to look at uh, another slide. This is the growth factor, uh, daily deaths growth factor. And... Um, uh, Dr. Robin, maybe you can touch on this. I knew I threw it at you at the last second, but sure. this is from January up to March 24th, the daily growth factor. And then we're going to show the worldwide numbers as well. But it just doesn't seem to be jumping uh, massively in relation to, I mean, we saw a spike in the early portion of March, and now it's just kind of uh, bouncing up and down. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think this is a little bit of a testimony to to what we've been learning all along with with this virus is yeah. that it's deadly in the wrong person right and uh as this is continuing to prove that point is that for the vast majority of people um it's something we'll recover from but in the wrong person it's uh it's deadly and and we were talking about this idea of of testing you you pointed out just um uh, what were the two terms you used? One where... Uh, incidents and prevalence. In incidents yeah. and prevalence, yeah. Yeah, and really, I mean, really the idea is test bias. So the idea is, um, do we really know how many people have been exposed to it? Yeah. 
and who've actually been sick and recovered at home already. Yeah. You know, they maybe thought they had the flu or a little sniffles or were completely asymptomatic. That's another whole category of the population, which, which is actually where a lot of the fear originally comes from, is what happens if you're asymptomatic, you're shedding the virus, and you're infecting other people who are also asymptomatic. And, and the great concern being this asymptomatic is exposure to those who are prone to have greater uh, damage. Exactly. And so that brings us to this next slide. And this is, uh, this is worldwide numbers. So uh, you can see uh, in the worldwide numbers, uh, China um, has had six deaths. So it seems as though they have dialed that down. Italy is still being heavily hit. And we had in the United States, 164 as of yesterday increase in deaths. So we're at 944 deaths in the United States and 66,048 cases. Now granted, we have not had uh, extensive testing, but we're looking at the death number. Mm -hmm. um, and, and this is the part that, you know, we're, we're trying to flatten the, the curve, so to speak, right. um, and, and maintain uh, vigilance right. um, by the stay in place orders. But looking at these numbers, I mean, here we have population of the U.S., 327.2 million, 66,048 cases out of 327.2 million, 944 deaths out of 327.2 million. That's three deaths per one million citizens. Mm -hmm. And we have completely shut down the economy. And that is devastating. Uh, we're going to go through some numbers momentarily. But th this is critical. Now, one of the other things, and I'll have you elaborate, and you haven't seen the slides, so I'm, I'm throwing a curve <laughs> yeah, at you. No, no, I know. That's, how I, that's how I like to roll. I, yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> Rolling with it. Yeah, yeah. So, so South Korea hasn't shut down their economy. All right. They're still operating, and they have flattened the curve. And this is uh, from, from news stories. The country showed that it's possible to contain the coronavirus without shutting down the economy, but experts are unsure whether its lessons can work abroad. Uh, as of Wednesday, South Korea had tested around 358,000 people, reporting 9,137 infections and 126 deaths. The country was praised for slowing the spread of COVID-19 with comparatively little disruption. And they did that through testing. And, and they are offering, they're doing 20,000 tests, 20, tests a day. Yeah. And uh, they have an, enough surplus to send those tests to the United States. Uh, we're, we're getting rollout of the testing ability. This, this will help. Uh, and do we need to shut the economy down? Uh, can we arrest this? Now, this stay-at-home order uh, suggestion now in the state of California, it's an order and uh, threats to, you know, um, in violating of that. But um, Americans seem to be yielding to want to do this right, but we're watching the country speak to this a well, little bit. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's, a, that's a great example. There's a lot, there's a lot going on there. Um, South Korea is a different place. They did have a different approach very early on. They have a different regulatory system. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I know certain medical, medical companies love South Korea because they're very innovative and they get things to market very quickly. So it's not surprising that South Korea got everything together, got the testing out, got it done. Yeah. Um, and it did make a difference. It made yeah. a huge difference. Um, the other component I hear is that we're still, I was speaking with the head of Emerge today, and... Um, it's still a 48-hour delay in in doing a testing. So, so from when you get the the test, it's still two days right, to, right. to get it. So, I mean, that's exciting. I know that the you know the innovation is there, 
and the FDA has approved the point of care testing, and now it's like let's ju let's just get it out there. And, let's get and moving on. One hundred percent, and I think that's really going to change. Um, it's it's going to be a complete game changer for not only public opinion but how people feel about going out in public and doing things and being involved in the economy again. I, I was just going to say that information is king. You know, when uh, I'm going to use the airplane analogy is that if you're having to wait on the ground for 30, 40 minutes for a gate to come open and the captain never says anything to you, you're going, what's happening here? But if I give a PA every 10 minutes, people compliment me like crazy when they get off the plane. It's the same thing. I think people are going to be empowered with the information. So the sooner that we can get the testing, because you go on CDC and you see the growth of cases going up. So if we can get tested, we can get good empirical data, and it could show it uh, going down the other direction, I think that information, like the PA, is going to give some feeling of, okay, because nobody can wave the magic wand and say, this is fine to go back mm -hmm. and to the workplace. Mm -hmm. It's going to need data that shows that we've peaked out and gone down, and we can't do that. Like your uh, African example yesterday, they have zero cases because they're not testing. Mm -hmm. But if we get more and more tests, we get the data and we can show the arrow going in the other direction, mm -hmm. just like the stock market going up the opposite direction. If we could do that, then I would assume, would, would that, would you agree or not? Well, uh, yeah. yeah, go ahead, and you were gonna I, I, ask you the question. Yeah. I yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, Sorry. I agree. Yeah, no, yeah, 100% I You sit over here next time, yeah. I'll swivel your head back and forth. Yeah, 100% I do, and I think, you know, we're learning a lot more about the virus itself. I think that's the other thing, is that, um, you know, the virus mutates, so we actually know there are actually a couple of different strains even in the world today. Yeah. So that's that's interesting, and we're still figuring out both the combination of what particular form of coronavirus is there one form that's worse? Is it the one form that's better? And who does that affect? Right. So not just comorbidities, but is there something genetic? And there's a lots of interesting studies going on about that, uh, about who's more susceptible, and why is it that you know if a healthcare worker dies, you know they seem to have a very different form of the virus than other people. So we're learning a lot, and it, it literally every single day is. Uh, we're learning more and more about this. So. I think, too, if we roll out the testing, we'll be able to diagnose the hot spots in the country so right. we don't have to shut down the entire country right. and start to focus on areas that are um, right. being hit the hardest. That's right. Yeah. Now, uh, in the news today, actually late last night, I, I was up. I, I don't know about the rest of you, but my sleep cycle has been completely messed over. Uh, I'm up till 3 o'clock in the morning. Uh, <laughs> now I know what the president feels like. Um, Give me a call. I'm yeah, 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 we're all up. Um, but, but about 1 o'clock in the morning, uh, an alert came through that uh, uh, Congress had passed uh, uh, the, the stimulus package and uh, reached a, 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 an agreement between the Senate and the White House. Here is, uh, it's, a, it's a $2 trillion coronavirus stimulation package reached between the Senate and the White House. Senate leaders and the White House reached a deal on a roughly $2 trillion economic stimulus package with the novel coronavirus threatening near term. And I just cut it off there, but here were a couple of quotes in relation uh, to that package. Uh, Chuck Schumer on both of them. He said, we have a bipartisan agreement on the largest rescue package in American history. Um, this is not a moment of celebration, but one of necessity. Every American worker who is laid off will have their salary remunerated uh, by the federal government so they can pay their bills. And this is, uh, there, there's so much pork in this and it is, uh, I haven't even had the time to go through it extensively, but it is, um, 
it's, it's a trough. And, uh, uh, but even on the news of that, and people were waiting, and politicians uh, played politics, and uh, were, were, you know, while the American people were suffering, um, and a lot of compromises were made, which creates even greater suffering on the on the back end. Two trillion dollars. I mean, where, where's that coming from? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're already in debt. Uh, but based on that news. Um, and this is where you'll jump in, David, because uh, the stocks posted an 11% recovery uh, Tuesday session on fresh hopes of bill's passage, but few specifics on the legislation's timeline or new measures were related. Uh, the Dow Jones, uh, you have um, uh, 495 uh, points up, I think at the close today. Maybe I'm yeah. off on that. No, no, that's you're right. That's the close of today, yeah. But there was the largest increase in the stock market history. Is that correct? So uh, the, yesterday, with the 2,112, that was the largest percentage gain in history. The thing that's interesting to me is the last f- um, five of the greatest gains, and to be fair, five of the greatest losses in percentage terms have happened this month. Fascinating. And we'll take a look at that yeah. chart um, but looking at the economy, I mean, this is, you, you had talked about it and we pulled up some pictures, uh, just American Airlines in general, completely shut down in a sense, some domestic flights still operating, but all their international flights, these large planes that they're paying on, uh, paying to Boeing and, and Airbus, uh, here you have American Airlines planes parked and waiting. I mean, they're just sitting there doing nothing. Nobody's flying, no one's doing business. This is a complete shutdown. Uh, any, any talks on that, especially from a, a, a pilot's perspective? Well, the, the thing that's interesting is that picture right there, if you can scroll back to that, that's our Tulsa uh, maintenance facility. So they had to, they flew all those planes there. So they're obviously assuming they're not going to fly for a little bit if they're parking them like that up there. Yeah. And so uh, the ones that are lined up, that's basically the 737. The list price on those things are $100 million a piece. Wow. And then uh, the one in the right-hand quarter is the one that I fly. It's a 787. Those are about $281 million list price. Now, they negotiate a little bit off that price, but that is some serious money sitting yeah, on the you're, ground you're doing nothing. At, you're looking at over a billion dollars in just yeah. those two pictures alone yeah. doing nothing. yeah. yeah. It's crazy. So that's just a, a, you know, I like that we're just talking about the numbers and you can put whatever you want on it, but that's, like you said, that's that's a couple billion dollars sitting on the ground. So you interpret it, the data, the way you want, and and not many businesses can stay in business when they have their assets sitting on the ground doing absolutely nothing. How, however folks out there feel about this virus, uh, the fear factor, uh, the lack of information, you may side with one medical position as opposed to another, all these things. We're just looking at data. We're looking at data. And the question is, are we approaching this properly? Is this the best form that we can take? And again, <clears throat> I keep emphasizing the need to pray for our leaders because this is information they have to process. And uh, we as, as uh, the American people um, are, are praying for them that they make these proper decisions uh, and not be driven by fear. And a lot of us are being driven by fear. Um, and this brings us to the fear and greed index. Mm-hmm. We have an update from yesterday's. It actually uh, moved. And so this is, uh, why don't you explain this to everybody? So, so yesterday or the, the one that we did a couple days ago, I think the points were 13. Yeah. Uh, a couple things is that it doesn't move real quickly. There's about seven uh, 
seven ingredients that bake into this number and stock price momentum, in other words, how fast is it swinging one direction or the other, uh, new fresh 52-week highs or lows, um, uh, the put call volume, in other words, how many people are shorting the market, how many people are going to um, safety like bonds, and then uh, what the volatility of the market is. So there's a bunch of factors that bake into this. So this kind of answers the question that you asked yesterday, how much has it moved? Now, just talking around today, you have to be careful that going way over to the green all the way over to the 100 is not necessarily good because now you're on the greed factor yeah. and it's just a matter of point until it starts falling the other way. So somewhere in that top 50 range where the market's just chugging along doing what it's supposed to be, it's kind of where you want to be. Not too much fear and not too much greed and we're just going along. So, so, so one year ago we were at neutral, a month ago we were at the fear level and yeah. then uh, one week ago extreme fear and then uh, the the previous close were at extreme fear as well. So yeah, but we're, are, you uh, see how we're improving the market now. It'll be interesting. I, I'd be cur you're curious to see. Is it 17 moved to a 19 when I get the update tomorrow? Okay, so, so you actually go from yeah, so a, a five to a 17 or a five to a 13 to a 17. 17. So it may exactly. it may go down. Yeah, and and, and folks are still selling. Um, what are you experiencing in your business? I, I'm seeing most of the people buying. You know, the thing that's interesting to me, like I said yesterday, how people last week were, did you sell that? Did you sell that? Now they're telling me, did you buy it? Did you buy it? Did you buy it? They're going, awesome. you're making, you know, it's like in your head to swing like yeah. that. Like yeah. Between the two of us. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. what, what are well, you telling I saw, me? I saw, I saw Royal Caribbean. Royal Caribbean was one of the was one of the winners today. It went. It increased the most. Did you see this? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Which, which I thought is actually a really well, good sign. I imagine, I imagine they're included in the stimulus package as well as Boeing went up extremely yeah, high. I, 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 I saw it at like okay. 32. You know, the little funny story, you know, Zoom that everybody's right. jumping on. So there's a ticker symbol, Z-O-O-M, which is not Zoom. And people all thought it was. The first news story on it said, this is not Zoom right. went up 164% in one day. It went from a dollar to 36. Oh, wow. And the, the real Zoom, which is the ticker symbol ZM, it's only like going up like 5, 10%. <laughs> even... So that oh, was a stock oh, no. that would have been fun to short. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it adjusted. But uh, just that's how people jump on. They're just uh, yeah. back to the greed factor. Well, yeah. let, let's look at the fear and greed over time. This was a good one you put together. Um, Extreme greed, so it begins 2018, 19, 2020. Explain this to the folks out there, if you would. So, so if you're at the very bottom of the chart, that's extreme fear. The top of this chart is extreme greed. So it's interesting, once again, just looking at numbers, look at 2018, which was it's pretty bad, right? Yeah. It still didn't get as low as what we just got the last, you know, this last month. So the very bottom is, once again, the extreme fear, and the top is greed. So you see how just in the last three, four days, it's, it's turned. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see where that goes. And then explain this chart, if you would. This is a lot of numbers, so help us, because I'm, I'm getting a little dizzy here. I'm going to get a seizure looking at this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is the, uh, this is the one I was just talking about earlier. See that number one, 2,112. Okay, wait a minute. The, the green side is plus and the red side's negative. Yeah. So yeah. these are the top uh, events in the stock market in history. Yeah. 
These are the top uh, point gains, point, not percentage, gains in the stock history. So if you look at number one through five, and it just happens to be this way on both sides, they all happened this month. Amazing. So that just shows how much volatility that we have in the market. We're having the biggest and greatest gains. Now, if you look at that number one, that 2,112, that was 11% gain in the stock market. To go back and find another time that we had 11% gain, you have to go all the way back to 1933 wow. to get 11%. And the thing that's interesting, back then, in 19, and the ones that were earlier. So in 1929, we had a 12% increase. That represented 28 points. Okay. So in, in one last one, 1933, a 15%. The largest, largest percentage increase ever in history was in 1933, up 15.5%, which was an eight-point move. Oh, wow. So it's just, it's just a good lesson of percentages versus... Points. Points. So... And, and as we look at this, um, this is all driven by an invisible creature, and not even creature, an invisible, but <laughs> by something we're all frightened by. And, and is the fear legitimate? Meaning all of us are paralyzed. The entire nation is shut down financially. We're looking at something that, um, you know, has, has affected all of us by fear and, um, and, and, and industry shut down. Um, and now we, we need to get information. We want to do testing. We want to make sure where this thing exists, how to allow businesses to operate. Um, you, you covered this, and I, I wanted to cover it again, especially for the folks who are invested in the market. David, I, I, it's worth repeating. We did it yesterday, but the difference between folks who stayed in, folks who got out uh, completely, folks who got out and then got back in, uh, how they fared. So, so this graph, and you know, just one little thing on the fear greed thing. When we evaluate stocks, when we learned about it in college, we look at earnings for the next 10 years and you put a, a dollar value on that and that's how you come up with a PE ratio or what the stock should be worth. But you look at these different stocks, they're not looking at that mathematical equation. It's all off of perception of yeah. what they think is going to happen. So that's the, that's the thing where we're no longer using data. We're using perception of what we think Carnival Cruise Line is going to do. Right. But to this graph, um, which is a good, a good reminder because we had two updates, and we'll see where we go. But this, uh, the gray area is the, the problems that we had in 2008, the recession. And so the blue line is one that person just uh, stayed in the market the whole time. And they ended up uh, going all the way down. They started at $100,000. They went all the way down to probably about 55000 And they said, I'm just staying in. And they ended up with 155000 And that goes through 2013. So now, the now, data. You know, when the Bible says, be anxious in nothing but in all things in prayer and supplication, if you see in January of 07, uh, the blue line, folks were doing well, and it took them all the way to January of 2012 before they reached back where they were in, in 07, and then it began to rise uh, again. So it's just that patience um, and, and not operating in the context of fear. Mm -hmm. 
I, I got to start using that Bible verse. Maybe it'll help me. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, and then the two other lines, just to, to throw it in there, is the dark blue line, the one that's in the middle, that's somebody that said, you know, I'm going to wait a year. I'm, I'm tired of all the stress. I'm going to wait a year. And so that person uh, waited a year, got back into the market, and he's didn't even fully recover. Because yeah. he missed up on that first, that, that little jump there right after it bounced off the bottom. And then the bottom line is somebody that says, I'm out. I'm going to my local savings account, just throwing it in there, and he lost half the value. Yeah. So that's a, that's a good reminder, especially with these updates that, you know, because look at, the, look at the, the top line. It still had a little bit of a roller coaster ride of up and down. Yeah. But staying in there in the long run is what that person got rewarded with. Now, I want to I go back to um, uh, another portion. This is, I, I received this from uh, somebody who works with Fortune 500 companies, uh, especially here in California. And uh, they put this picture that's, that's critical. Um, Five million California jobs are at risk. California statewide shelter-in-place orders could shut down 28% of the job market. It's an astounding situation that has virtually no comparable precedent. We're talking about 5 million jobs across 400,000 firms, a scenario that dwarfs the 2008-2009 recession when the state lost 1.1 million jobs over the course of 18 months. The coronavirus pandemic or panic-demic has unfolded over just a few weeks. I mean, it just took the wind out of everyone's sails. And is it, is it legitimate I mean, this reaction, um, here's jobs at risk during the pandemic, uh, shelter in place, California. So you have essential jobs, non-essential, but can work from home, uh, total jobs, operational and jobs at risk. So, so there you have uh, this, this graph of the current shelter in place orders. It is so devastated so many sectors of our economy. Uh, I don't know that some restaurants will be able to recover. Um, the, the Tarantula Hill was one of the most popular places to go. It is being devastated right now. And, um, and here we are. We got information. And uh, f folks are, are, are frightened. Uh, the market is reacting accordingly. We're watching the economy adversely affected. We're watching government pass a $2 trillion stimulus package. We're watching the stock market fluctuate. And, and the question is, where, where's the, the calm in the storm? Where's the peace that surpasses all understanding? There's, there's fear levels. I, I'm, I'm inundated, inundated with folks telling me how I'm supposed to reach out to everyone I know to reach the president and every person of political authority to try to convince them. Um, you, you can do a better job than I can if you do one thing. Pray. Don't dismiss that. You say, well, how can you pray for someone who doesn't honor God or doesn't seek God? The heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord and he guides it like a water course. You have a far greater ability, instead of asking me to talk to men, why don't you talk to God to move men? Pray. Now, if you dismiss that, then really this idea of faith, Jesus, uh, when, when he walked with his disciples for three years, they watched him raise the dead, the, the blind would see, the lame would walk, the deaf would hear. He, he, was, he cured leprosy. And he... And, and, the only thing, he fed thousands with a few loaves and fishes. He walked on water. And the only thing the disciples asked him to teach him over the three years, not once but twice, 
is they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Because they knew that Christ's public life of power was a result of his private life of prayer. Until we get this lesson situated, Jesus, long before the sun would arise, he would go to a solitary place and commune with the Father. He would get aligned with his purposes. God's not interested in what you want the president to do. He wants you to be aligned with what he wants to do in the president's life and in the governor's life. He wants you to intercede and ask for wisdom. God even shows us and commands us how to intercede to pray. And, and if you dismiss that, really, is, is there, as Christians, if, if the greatest form of prayer is intercessory prayer, and I know this because the Bible says that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, ever living to make intercession for you and me. Intercessory prayer is the greatest form of prayer there is. That's what the Lord's doing for you and me. He's interceding. And we intercede for others. And we're commanded to. And it's profound and it's powerful. A nation that prays is a nation that will survive. And call on the name of the Lord. He'll show you great and mighty things you know not of. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways and pray. I will hear their prayers and I will heal, heal their land. I mean, this is, this is a call to prayer. And if you doubt that, here it is. This is 1 Timothy chapter 2. Therefore, I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and givings of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. I, I think that says it all. I think that's what the Lord wants us to do. He wants us to pray. So if you're listening, would you do me a favor right now? Would you close your eyes and bow your head? And I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And as I lead us in this prayer, I want you to continue to intercede. Every moment you think of these leaders, you intercede for them. You intercede for civic leaders, county leaders, state leaders, federal leaders. You pray for our teachers. You pray for our administrators. You pray for our school board. You intercede, you pray for our doctors and our first responders. You pray for the sick, that they'd be healed. You pray for a peace. The Bible says, uh, pray for the peace of the city, for in its peace, you'll find peace, as it says, I think, in Jeremiah. So let's do that right now. Let's pray. Lord, we intercede, and as you command us in your word to pray for the peace of the city, for in its peace, you'll have peace. That Lord, you, you command us to pray for kings and those in authority, that we would live quiet and peaceable lives in godliness and reverence. Lord, I, I ask that you would give wisdom. It says in James, if any man lacks wisdom, all he need but do is ask of God and God will give freely to him who asks. Lord, you, you say that we're not to be anxious and when we are, we, we make supplication, prayers, requests and then we cast our cares on you for you care for us. You say my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Come to me, all you are burdened and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. And so, Lord, we cast our cares on you in exchange. You give us your peace that surpasses all understanding. You give us this privilege to intercede and to pray, pray for others. And, Lord, we do just that. We pray for all of our civic leaders, our first responders. We pray for the sick. We pray healing for them. You say we have not because we ask not. We're asking now, Lord. God, prayer is a declaration of our dependence upon you. And if a nation would humble itself and pray, you'll heal their land. And I ask, Lord, that you would instill in every heart that is hearing this broadcast or wit witnessing it, 
that folks would realize this is a time for God's people in the, in the whole nation to pray. God hears the prayers of all. And he says, come to me, call on me. And so Lord, we do that now. We ask that you would heal. We ask that you would give wisdom. We ask that you would deliver us from this. That we would seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. That all these things would be added unto us. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. That's a good prayer. Jesus showed the disciples how to pray. When you say our Father who art in heaven, it's a reminder that you're talking to God. He's your Father, but he's also God. And he's in heaven, we're on the earth. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And we hallow his name. And we want to remember that it's not our kingdom come, it's not our will be done, but it's his. And the only way to know his will and his kingdom and the desires for that is to Seek him in his word, his precepts. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Open it up. You got a really nice one. It's been sitting on your coffee table and it's dusty. Open it up. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. And, and uh, a person whose Bible is falling apart from use is a sign that their life usually isn't. And I, I tell you what, God's word doesn't return void. All of his promises are yes and amen. Spend some time with him. By that word, he spoke the heavens into existence. He created everything. By his spoken word, it's powerful. It's profound. It's living and it's breathing. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It's able to divide the thoughts and the intents of your heart. The Bible's the only book in the world where you don't read it. It reads you. Let it do that. Let it calm you. Let it minister to you. And when you, when you declare thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, then you remember this, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. Don't, don't spend all of your, your, your provisions for the day worrying about tomorrow. Worry gets you nothing. That's why he says be anxious and nothing. He'll, he'll take care of you. Rest in the Lord. He'll give you what you need every moment. I've been young and I've been old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor their children begging bread. Calm down. It's all right. It's all right. And the, the other idea is too, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. You know, there is a roaring lion roaming about seeking whom he may devour. And he operates by two ways, fear and deception. Seek what's true, what's pure, what's right. And don't operate by fear because it says in 2 Timothy 1, 7, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And remember this, it, that it's, it's, it's his for, his, for yours is the kingdom and the glory and the power forever. We're, we're gonna stand before him and give an accounting of our life. Our life is not our own. We've been purchased with a price. His blood was shed on the cross to deliver us from sin, that we would be reconnected with the Father and to have this peace and to operate in a world that's fallen, that's inundated with virus, that we don't have to operate in the context of fear and depravity but we trust in him. And even the trials in life, he promises in Romans that he'll work them together for good. He always does. I've seen this true in all 55 years of my life. I encourage you to trust in him. Pray. Prayer is your declaration of dependence upon God. Is what you're doing really worth doing if you can do it apart from prayer? 
There's never been a great revival in America that first wasn't started by prayer. Trust him, seek him, spend time with him. Pray, open his word, you'll speak to him and he'll speak to you. And you're gonna cultivate a wonderful relationship with a God who has loved you throughout all your life, has longed to have this time with you. Use it wisely. And we close tonight with what we've been doing every night. This is a beautiful benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. May God bless you. Encourage one another. Continue to serve one another. Don't be afraid. We're going to get through this. It's going to be all right. Hopefully we'll be able to fellowship together at Easter. That's my prayer. I've been asking God for that. Some folks think I'm crazy. But you have not because you ask not. Would you join with me in that as well? Mm-hmm. And there's, there's folks in the fellowship that could really use your prayer. And if you have any prayer requests or needs, again, just reach out to us. We'll take care of them to the best of our ability. And thank you, all of you. Even though we haven't been meeting, you have been so faithful to minister and, and provide offering to the fellowship that we've been capable of not only covering the rent and taking care of the staff, but we've also been, more importantly, taking care of folks all around our community. And that's because of your generosity, your faithfulness. You're good folks and we love you. Thank you for all you do. I miss you. We'll see you soon. Good night, everybody.